This is Evan from Denver, and I'd rather look at a leaning IKEA table than listen to I Doubt It with Dollamore. The following broadcast may contain free thinking and open minded discussion, ideas, skepticism, and adult subject matter. Topics will be discussed using adult language, sometimes gratuitously. Get ready to move the conversation forward. This ain't your granddad's news and comment show. This is I Doubt It with Dollamore. All right, welcome to the show. Startling Brittany Page as I start episode 220 of this, your favorite. I doubt it with Dollamore. I am your host, Jesse Dollamore. And sitting across from me, already mentioned, Brittany Page. Here I am. Why did you jump? Uh, well, because the green screen is behind me. The green screen is behind you. And I had just mentioned that it's a prime location for a spider to jump on me because it's basically touching me. I'm kind of suspect. It's like a curtain. Yeah. For some reason, I think that there are likely spiders on it because the spiders that we talked about. Oh, damn. I don't know if it was last episode or, or the one before that. This is turning into the spider cast. But those spiders <laughs> appeared shortly after we have permanently hung the green screen. Mm. And so I just feel like there's a correlation. <laughs> it doesn't make any sense whatsoever. You know, it makes sense to me. All right. Mm-hmm. Well, let's let's move on. Can we do that with Yes. In the midst of your debilitating fear of spiders and spider activity. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you guys may have seen this story on the Facebooks. A wily high school kid or student he's being described as in the San Francisco area went to a an art gallery. The an San art- Francisco Museum of Modern Art. Oh, okay. Mm-hmm. The San Francisco Museum of Modern Art. And he wanted to be a fucking prankster. And so he put a pair of glasses on the ground in front of the white wall, just set them on the ground. And the museum goers, the appreciators of art, those who are way up their own ass, started treating it like it was uh, an exhibit. Right, like pausing and... Reflecting upon the what the artist may have been thinking, or when he... even getting down on the ground and taking a picture. Yeah, yeah. Anyway, this reminded me, and we're gonna we're gonna do a little uh, go back in time, huh? Ooh, yeah, I like that. Episode one hundred seventeen of this very program. Wow. The lovely Brittany Page and I went to. Well, we talked about in this episode having gone to. The Laguna, the Laguna Art Museum, or Museum of Modern Laguna Art. I don't fucking know. Anyway, a, a museum. <laughs> Laguna and, Art. And uh, we we gave our impressions of what we thought. And I want to. It's just a very short clip, but I want to take you take you back in time again. Actually, that's not uh, that's not doing it for me. That's not really in in the style of the show. No. Let's take them back in time. After this. So take me away. I don't mind. But you better promise me I'll be back in time. Brittany, would you consider yourself a, an artsy person? Oh, no. No, 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 no. 
No, I think that should also be apparent to anyone who knows me. My voice sounds terrible right now, well, by the still, way. You're still... It sounds worse you're still than before. Sick. You're still in the... Okay, you want realism? You sound like shit. Yeah. You sound like you're gargling a bag of asphalt. It... Like it's gravel. It sounds really squeaky. I feel... I almost don't want to talk. I feel like it's squeaking. Hey, fine it's by me. It's popping out. Fine by me. Okay. <laughs> well, the reason I ask is because I described myself the other day as someone who's not very creative. And I was, oh, admonished. Oh, don't say that about yourself. You're very creative. Oh, you're creative. And I, I just, I don't think I'm creative. And then we got into a talk about art. Mm -hmm. And it reminded me of a time where you and I went to the Laguna Art Museum in Laguna Beach, California. And I, did, listen, I don't want to come across like a dick. Although... Come it, on, that's inevitable. It does seem to be something that I'm good at. Yeah, it just happens, naturally. But I remember walking around that place, and there were many people standing in front of what could only be described as the tabletop of something they bought at Ikea. Right, like a piece of Ikea furniture that has not yet been assembled, just like the flat top of a table. Right, and they're standing in front of this like the top of a fucking coffee table. Just leaned against the wall. And they are, oh, it was, that's right. It was just leaned against, it wasn't right. even affixed to the goddamn wall. No, just it was leaned. just, yeah, just lean, leaned up, like a kitchen table leaned up against the wall. And that was the, the installment. That was the art piece. And there were many people. We sat and watched for probably 10 minutes as scores of people walked by and they would pause. And there were even people with notepads who would write their notes and like, mm, mm, mm. Mm -hmm. oh, I really connect mm. with this one. I oh, really get this one. I, this this artist's audacity is just oh, <laughs> and I hate those people. Oh, I would just sit there vibes. with seething anger and hatred toward them because there's not a fucking chance they they look at that tabletop leaned up against the wall and think it's artsy and that there's a message to be conveyed. Okay, well, getting that angry is. Probably excessive. Listen, I get that angry about everything. Okay. <laughs> also, probably excessive and a problem. I get that angry when gas goes up like a, a, a cent or two. Mm. So I guess I'm in a perpetual state of anger. I guess so. Yeah. Yeah, but I understand what you're saying. It didn't make me angry. It was more entertaining because I think when you're in that environment, you you feel a need to kind of show off and impress other people. When I think mm. everyone in the situation is just fooling themselves and trying to fool other people, right? Yeah, yeah. They want to portray themselves as being artsy and they want people to view them as artsy and everyone feels that way. So they just all walk around acting like they get everything. And I stand there and I'm like, I don't get this it, piece of Ikea furniture leaning against this wall. Well, I don't know. Maybe it's because I'm a little older now and a little bit more secure in who I am that I don't think I have to pretend to be something I'm not. But it might also be that I don't want to be perceived as someone who thinks that a tabletop leaned up against the wall is something creative and awesome. Well, maybe it was and I just don't get it. That's no, fine. There is not a chance that that artist gave that any thought. Listen, I know artists. I We should have. I know a guy who's a street artist. And his methods might be suspect, and it, you know some people might call it vandalism, and I think in a sense that it is, but that's part of his art. We should have him on, Thrashbird. 
to discuss the IKEA furniture leaning up against well, the wall. Well, I think he could might have a, a unique perspective on how the fuck that is art. Uh huh. I don't know, but maybe it's just my mind doesn't work that way, and maybe I'm thankful that my mind doesn't work that way. Yeah. Well, I think it's. I don't know. I don't have as strong an opinion on it as you do. I have a strong opinion about everything. I I know that. <laughs> So we don't do that very often. Oh, I guess we're back in present day now. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I think I was sick in that clip. Yeah, you for sure were. Mm -hmm. One of the rare moments where Brittany Page was sick. But that is that is exactly what we experienced at the Laguna Art Museum. Why can't I fucking say Laguna Art Museum? I have no idea. It's the same thing we experienced that that kid was trying to create at the San Francisco Museum of Modern Art. Right. I can say that, but I can't say motherfucker. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Pretty angry about that. So anyway, I just I found it very funny. And uh, those people do exist. Yeah. And maybe I'm not quite as angry. I was, mm -hmm. I was angrier maybe in earlier shows. Okay. <laughs> nah, I'm still. Yeah, you're still pretty hostile. <laughs> But that was a great example where it was this Ikea table, just a, you know, not put together table leaning against the yeah. wall and people were stopping and staring at it. And maybe that was a prank. <laughs> maybe that wasn't. It just didn't go viral. Yeah. Um, who knows? <laughs> but apparently this kid has done similar things with like a baseball hat or something. Um, he, he's done this a couple of times. So this isn't his first time doing it. Very funny. Mm hmm. All right, let's get to listener feedback. We have a voicemail from Jeremy. Hey, guys, it's Jeremy Cullen from Seattle. Uh, I'm calling in reference to a clip that you played on your last episode of, I'm going to butcher his name, uh, Milo Yiannopoulos, I Yiannopoulos. think. Yiannopoulos. Um, he was hosting a talk at a college, and some University. Black Lives Matter protesters <laughs> came in and disrupted the event, tried to shut it down. So um, my question is regarding to that and the, the conversation that stemmed from it and kind of the larger issue at whole of protests and disruptive protest. And I'm curious what where you guys draw the line or, or what you think where the line is. Um, Jesse, I've heard you mention before that we're in the midst of a new civil rights movement. And I would have to agree with you with, you know, everything with the Black Lives Matter movement and it's kind of stemming from Ferguson and the everything that's going on with the uh, presidential election this year with the bigotry and the hatred and and uh, you know, there's just a lot going on with that in our country right now. And, you know, if you look back at the original, at the civil rights movement in, in the past, there was lots of disruptive protests, people blocking bridges, people inserting themselves into situations, you know, black people going into whites only restaurants, that that kind of stuff. Um, and so my, my question is, I would think that these people that are disrupting events like this one with Milo, they are trying to take away his voice to not give him a platform for his hatred because a lot of the things that people like Donald Trump are saying and people in kind of <laughs> of his ilk are not just hurtful, not just bad, but but in many ways putting people in, in physical danger, whether it's from assault or, you know, whatever. They're creating these situations. So – I'm wondering what you guys think, um, kind of where you draw the line, if you think there's a 
if you think there's ever a time or place for disruptive protests, for the type of protests where people are shutting down highways, shutting down events, shutting down stuff like this, um, would love to hear what you guys think. Thanks for the show, and uh, Brittany's the best part. Love the show. Brittany's the best part. So this is an awesome question because I think this is a pretty common debate that people have, right? Where do you draw the line in terms of free speech? Well, it's also becoming more and more common amongst the liberal community about this particular thing. Right. So I think there's a huge difference between, you know, the events depicted in Selma, for instance, and Milo talking in a college auditorium. Uh, Jeremy said they're trying to take away his voice. Quote, yeah, that's the problem. I think that's a problem for me. Um, You know, the big difference between the protesters that sat at the counters in a restaurant, that was different to me because Milo's just one dude who's sitting in front of an auditorium talking his nonsense. He's just a provocateur. He has zero power. He doesn't have any power. He's not a government official. No. He's not enacting policy. He's just, you know, dangerous faggot tour idiot who's trying to make a name for himself. And if you weren't joining us last time, that is the name of his tour. Um, (laughs) I guess that should be cleared up. Yes. So, and I know people might say... I don't think he's a dangerous faggot, I guess is what you're trying to get across. That is what I was clarifying. All right. And I know people might say, well, one dangerous person could, you know, amass this following, and here we have Donald Trump. Well... That's where the they're trying to take away his voice is a problem for me because that's where you insert yourself into the discussion and you have a discussion. Right. And the perfect place to do that is at these college campuses where speakers are invited and there's always a Q&A. And you challenge Milo. You say, listen, what you just said is wrong because of this, this and this. And people in that room are going to hear you. That's right. And I think that's important. The other thing, I think, and I don't know that you were doing this specifically, Jeremy, but I think that it is, for those of you who may compare what the Black Lives Matter people did to Milo Yiannopoulos, um, to compare that to lunch counter sit-ins or the protest on uh, the bridge at Selma, Mm Mm-hmm. That is, those are apples and oranges. Mm-hmm. Because that was against the government. That was a protest against systemic government policy. Right. Illegal, unconstitutional government policy. Mm-hmm. What they did was removed his freedom of speech, his First Amendment right under the Constitution, by just shutting down the event. We don't like what he's saying, so we're going to disrupt it and stop it. Mm-hmm. It's also different than disrupting traffic because you're not taking away anyone's rights. I say this on the program all the time that your rights stop where mine begin and vice versa. I cannot, in the exercise of my rights, trample upon yours. That is not the way it works. Well, and there's all kinds of different speech that is perceived as incendiary, right? If. Well, absolutely. If a, if a, well, what I'm saying is, if a liberal were to go to a conservative university and start talking about pro LGBT rights or you know secular ethics, whatever it might be, and their speech got shut down, sure, would 
would we be angry? Yeah, liberals would be outraged. Yeah. Right. So, you know, you can't choose who is able to speak freely and who's not. Yeah. That, that's murky territory. It's dangerous. Yeah. The, the other thing is that his speech wasn't necessarily incendiary. Saying that you don't believe microaggressions exist, that's not dangerous speech. And that's that's where they came in and, okay, we're putting a stop to this. What do you mean microaggressions don't exist? That's the stupidest thing I've ever heard is maybe a direct quote for the gentleman on stage who disrupted the thing. Right. Well, I'm talking more about like perceptions, sure. right? They, they perceive it as being right. really harsh. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Where some, you know, some Christians might perceive something that's not. Yeah, but it's still a constitutionally protected right. That's the point. Yeah, I'm not arguing with you. No, I, I know. I just, <laughs> listen, anybody who's in this game, especially someone who uses their voice like we do, the, the freedom of speech is one of the most important, cherished rights that we have in this country. And to watch it trampled upon, not by the government in this case, but by another group, uh, an opposing viewpoint is just maddening because who's to say that tomorrow their voice isn't going to be shut down? The Black Lives Matter people. Mm -hmm. And then everybody, oh, they're going to be outraged because, oh, they have a right to speak. They have a right to their... Yeah, well, so do the other side. Mm -hmm. Wrong or right, the other side has the same right that should be protected just as vigorously. Mm -hmm. And we'll post the Christopher Hitchens free speech uh, YouTube video on the Facebook page. Again. Because I think that is the most important speech that he ever gave. Yeah. All right. Thank you very much, Jeremy. We appreciate the call. As always, if any of you would like to sound off on this or any other topic... 657-464-7609, or you can email a voice memo to idoubtit at dollamore.com. We have one piece of follow-up before we move on, and it involves our good buddy, Martin Shkreli. Mm-hmm. The... They always call him the pharma bro, and I fucking hate anything with bro, like Bernie bro, pharma <laughs> bro. It just... God damn, can't we just, you know, he's the the asshole guy. Or you don't have to call him a bro and that makes it bad. Imagine how hostile you would have felt about this 100 episodes ago. It's so great that you've improved in that 103, way. 103, Brittany Page. <laughs> oh, how fucking yes. dare you? Yes. How dare you? I'm sorry, sir. Anyway, the pharma bro, the aforementioned pharma asshole, has uh, he has made a decision on who he will be supporting in this election cycle. And he tweeted it. I haven't been called by the Trump camp. I support him versus Hillary. He should find a VP candidate who is seasoned in politics in ugly game. <laughs> so he supports Donald Trump. There you go. No shocker there. No shocker. And in all fairness, a few months ago when all that came out, Donald Trump did call him a zero surrounding the flap about raising the price of his medicine. Well, you know what's entertaining to me is this: these Mashable articles, they always include tweets that people receive yeah. as response. And you'd think that the threat of being featured in an article being a dick <laughs> would kind of keep people in line. Yeah. But it doesn't. So people tweeted him and they said, you would be a perfect VP choice for Trump. Both douchebags. <laughs> Super not creative. That's yeah. great. Yeah. All right. Well, let's let's move on. This next segment 
maybe should become something normal or, or normal, a regular part of the show. Come up with a name for it. I don't know. This week in religious cockery or douchery or fuckery or something. This week in religion bullshit. But we have three stories in a row here. The first being a Saudi doctor was shot by a new father who decided he wanted to shoot the doctor who had delivered his newborn baby. Right. He shot the male obstetrician, arguing that he had no right to assist his wife's delivery and that a female gynecologist should have been in the room. Because it was an emergency delivery. Mm -hmm. And the only person who was available was a well-trained, well-respected male gynecologist who delivered the baby. Yeah. And as you know... Baby delivery is a perfect opportunity to... Real sexy time. <laughs> do some inappropriate things. <laughs> real, real sexy time. Yeah, so according to media reports, the father went to the hospital and told the doctor he wanted to see him to thank him for helping his wife with the delivery of the baby. Mm. The two met in the garden of the hospital, and during the conversation, he took out a gun that he had concealed under his clothes and shot the doctor. But he is alive. Goddamn. Mm-hmm. He has survived this, and... I wish there was, there was an Arab version of this, because that is the, the yee-haw of that, verge, that, that segment of the world. Mm-hmm. God damn. He saw your wife's private parts, so he must die. Someone who saved her, maybe, because of her, the emergency situation... It could have gone sideways. He really should have been thanked. Well, what's interesting to me is the social media reaction that they've reported, which a lot of people have shared their sympathy with the doctor and criticized the man who shot him. But some commenters argue that female gynecologists should always be given priority in the delivery of babies in order to avoid cultural clashes. (laughs) Religion of peace, everybody. Religion of peace. All right, well, the next religion of peace would be Christianity. In this case, a sitting U.S. congressman gave the opening invocation for the House of Representatives for the United States of America, in which he used a scripture which talked about gays being worthy of death. This was Georgia Rep. Rick Allen, and he led the opening prayer by reading from Romans 1, 18-32, and Revelations 22, 18-19. You want to read the offending scripture so everybody can bear witness to the lunacy that is taking place right now in one of our two viable political parties The Republican Party in the United States. Well, the first one is really long. Well, just read 27 through the the end. Okay. In the same way, the men also abandoned natural relations with women and were inflamed with lust for one another. Men committed shameful acts with other men and received in themselves the due penalty for their error. That's death, everybody. Furthermore, just as they did not think it worthwhile to retain the knowledge of God... So God gave them over to a depraved mind so that they do what ought not be done. They have become filled with every kind of wickedness, evil, greed, 
and depravity. They are full of envy, murder, strife, deceit, and malice. They are gossips, slanderers, God-haters, insolent, arrogant, and boastful. They invent ways of doing evil. They disobey their parents. They have no understanding, no fidelity, no love, no mercy. Although they know God's righteous decree that those who do such things deserve death, they not only continue to do them, continue to do these things, these very things, but also approve of those who practice them. New Testament, everybody. For those of you, probably not a lot of you out there, but for those of you who always make the argument that, ah, that was the Old Testament where they called for the death of queers. That was back then. Not the New Testament with love and Jesus. That's then, back then. Nope. Romans is in the New Testament. Are many of our listeners doing that? (laughs) That's why I said probably not a lot. Okay. But, you know, might get a straggler or two picking up the show for the first time. Got to let them know where we stand, Brittany Page. Mm-hmm. Got to let them know. So would you like me to read Revelation now? I'm really enjoying reading all this. Uh, yeah, now that you've said it, do it. I warn everyone who hears the words of the prophecy of this scroll. If anyone adds anything to them, God will add to that person the plagues described in this scroll. And if anyone takes words away from this scroll of prophecy, God will take away from that person any share in the tree of life and in the holy city which are described in this scroll. A lot of good action in that scroll. In the King James, it just talks about the book, which a lot of Christians say, if you anyone add to or take away from this book, let him be a curse, is another scripture in Revelation similar to that. And people think that that means the whole Bible, even though each book was its own book. It wasn't compiled until, you know, hundreds of years later. Anyway. So the point is that this was read. That's right. Yeah. On the floor of the United States House of Representatives as a prayer, as an opening invocation by a sitting elected member of Congress. So fucking deplorable. Mm-hmm. All right. Let's move out of Washington, D.C. and to another area of the of the globe, which is rife with religious conflict and, and wonderment, maybe. <laughs> Those two things seem in opposition. Apparently, a Pakistani cleric has declared that men can beat their wives. Well, lightly beat. Oh, well, then what's the story? That's It's quote-unquote like, light, lightly beat. Awesome. Mm-hmm. Well, good. In the 75-page proposal, Muhammad Khan Shirani... Shirani? Mm-hmm. ...suggests a light beating is acceptable should the need arise to punish a woman. Should the need arise. The proposal bans forceful beating, saying only a small stick is necessary to instill fear. The Council Uh, of Islamic Ideology is a powerful constitutional body that advises the Pakistani legislature whether laws are in line with the teachings of Islam. mm -hmm. Its proposed bill is seen as a response to the rejected women protection bill for abused women. The council shunned it as un-Islamic and wrote its own bill, which includes the recommendation for the light beating quote. A husband should be allowed to lightly beat his wife if she defies his commands and refuses to dress up as per his desires, turns down demands of intercourse without any religious excuse, or does not take a bath after intercourse or menstrual periods. Goddamn. 
The proposal also calls for beating if a woman does not wear her hijab, if she interacts with strangers, speaks too loudly, or gives others cash without her husband's permission. You would be in big, big trouble, Brittany Page. Because I speak too loudly? You speak loudly. <laughs> you, you give cash all the time. You're just... What a dirty, dirty you are. It also suggests bans on various activities. It's 75 pages long. So well, here, here's the deal. As deplorable as this is, it kind of makes me wonder, um, those who are completely outraged by this, but who were in agreement that it's okay to spank your kid. Right. Mm-hmm. The, what's the di- what? I don't know if there's many out there who do. Right. But we did get some pushback on the spanking thing. Mm-hmm. But it makes me wonder if you're outraged by this, why not spanking? Even light spank. If you can lightly beat your wife mm-hmm. with a stick, with an object. Yeah. Well, yeah. That's the same thing as spanking your kid. Right. What? Where's the difference? It's a good question. I don't get it. It's a good question. The other thing I guess I would wonder is uh, maybe Johnny Depp has converted. <laughs> To, to Islam, and he's taking the advice of this particular council. Well. He seems to allegedly mm-hmm. like to beat on women. Yes, allegedly. Um, so let's talk about that. So Johnny Depp was accused of domestic violence from his wife of 15 months, Amber Heard. Yep. And this kind of happened this weekend. She alleges that he was drunk or high and attacked her and she got a restraining order against him. It was granted. She brought in pictures of her bruises. Mm -hmm. So I've been seeing this all over Facebook and it's like Bill Cosby all over again where people are immediately commenting, calling her a liar, calling her like a money grubbing whore, um, saying she's a gold digger, all of these things. And we don't know. No one knows anything. No one knows anything. But it's so weird to me that people jump to these conclusions and speak so horribly against victims, right? And I mean, she might not really be a victim. Okay. But how about we just remain silent until we know further? Because the same people who defended Bill Cosby in the beginning, who have now had to come around and, oh, shit, maybe I shouldn't have defended him in the beginning. Right. Do you want to be in that position again? That makes sense. Here's here's a, here's a funny tweet that I saw today that uh, Dan Errol had tweeted. And it says, uh, from the woman, she says, I was abused. Everyone else says, I need 93 videos, 729 photos, and 62 witnesses to believe you. And then the man, if he says, well, I didn't do it, everyone says, oh, that must be true. Mm-hmm. So where the burden of proof, obviously you are innocent until proven guilty. Of course, absolutely. But but a charge like this needs to be taken seriously. And certainly we're not we're not convicting um Johnny Depp in this particular court of public opinion. No. But it is goddamn serious enough that She shouldn't be shamed. Absolutely not. And people shouldn't be coming to his defense so immediately when you why would she I mean look th- th- we don't have any evidence that she's lying. Well, and this is why women are fearful of coming forward. Because of the look shame. at what happens. Yeah. People start t- calling you terrible things, defending this guy because he was that pirate that everyone loves, whatever. Yeah. You don't know him personally. What's in it for you to defend him on the internet? Relax. I, spoken like a gentle lady and a scholar. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. 
All right, let's move this train along. Support for I Doubt It with Dollamore comes from generous, engaged, intelligent, and good-looking listeners like yourself by way of Patreon. You can contribute per episode as much or as little as you'd like, comforted by the knowledge that you're within your budget and helping move the conversation forward one podcast at a time. If you too would like to become a supporter, please visit patreon.com slash I doubt it with Dollamore. All right, let's move on to some politics. Meat and potatoes, everybody. Dollamocracy 2016, facing down pessimistic politics with realistic optimism. Well, today... Actually, today, it is 12.05 a.m. <laughs> on Monday. So it is today. We are in the future now, mm-hmm, Brittany. Mm-hmm. Today is Memorial Day in the United States, which is different than Veterans Day. Here is another thing that Jesse is not passionate about. Goddamn makes me enraged. <laughs> Oh, it is so terrible. You're so, you know, like on report cards in elementary school, you could be easily distracted. Well, I, <laughs> that's what I got all the time. You're easily angered. Right. <laughs> well, I don't really have to go through the differences because President Obama does it for me in this year's address that he gave via video. And he said some humbling, heartfelt and wonderful things in honor of Memorial Day. Hi, everybody. Right now, there are American troops serving in harm's way and standing sentry around the world. They're veterans who've served honorably in times of war and peace, and often came home bearing the invisible and visible wounds of war. They may not speak the loudest about their patriotism. They let their actions do that. And the right time to think of these men and women and thank them for their service and sacrifice is every day of the year. Memorial Day which we'll observe Monday, is different. It's the day we remember those who never made it home, those who never had the chance to take off the uniform and be honored as a veteran. It's the day we stop to reflect with gratitude on the sacrifice of generations who made us more prosperous and free, and to think of the loved ones they left behind. Remembering them, searing their stories and their contributions into our collective memory, that's an awesome responsibility. It's one that all of us share as citizens. As Commander-in-Chief, I have no more solemn obligation than leading our men and women in uniform, making sure they have what they need to succeed, making sure we only send them into harm's way when it's absolutely necessary. And if they make the ultimate sacrifice, if they give their very lives, we have to do more than honor their memory. We have to be there for their families. Over the years, Michelle and I have spent quiet moments with the families of the fallen, husbands and wives, mothers and fathers, sons and daughters. They've shared their pain, but also their pride in the sacrifices their loved ones made under our proud flag. It's up to the rest of us to live our lives in a way that's worthy of these sacrifices. The idea to set aside a Memorial Day each year didn't come from our government. It came from ordinary citizens who acknowledged that while We can't build monuments to every heroic act of every warrior we lost in battle. We can keep their memories alive by taking one day out of the year to decorate the places where they're buried. That's something that so many of our fellow Americans are doing this weekend, remembering. 
remembering the soldiers, sailors, airmen, Marines, and Coast Guardmen who died in our defense, remembering those who remain missing, remembering that they were our fellow citizens and churchgoers, classmates and children, and more often than not, the best of us. So this Memorial Weekend, I hope you'll join me in acts of remembrance. Lay a flower or plant a flag at a fallen hero's final resting place. Reach out to a Gold Star family in your community and listen to the story that they have to tell. Send a care package to our troops overseas. Volunteer to make a Wounded Warrior's Day a little easier. Or hire a veteran who's ready and willing to serve at home just as they did abroad. Or just pause, take a moment, and offer a silent word of prayer or a public word of thanks. The debt we owe our fallen heroes is one we can never truly repay, but our responsibility to remember is something we can live up to every day of the year. Thanks. May God watch over our fallen heroes and their families, and may God continue to bless the United States of America. Pretty good. Really good. So, also last week, President Obama visited Hiroshima for the first time. I think any sitting U.S. president has done so. Mm-hmm. And he gave a very solemn speech, a very respectful and reverent, poignant, heartfelt speech in which he did not apologize. Mm -hmm. I've seen lots of headlines, lots of Breitbart type of bullshit out there. And President Obama, who has many, many faults, I didn't vote for him either time. I am generally not a fan. I am lame duck kind of a fan. But uh, he did not apologize on behalf of the United States. What he did do is meet a few survivors and give a speech. I, as a bonus, in tandem with this particular episode, I am going to release the 17 or 20 minutes or whatever his speech was. If you're curious, it is, it's not necessarily super difficult to get a hold of, but I'm going to you to listen on Memorial Day it's 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 adjacent to the topic, so mm-hmm. it'll be there. Also, kind of adjacent to that, is there's a video going around that juxtaposes the speech and behavior of Donald Trump versus Obama, and they're using clips from the speech that he gave at Hiroshima. Oh, well, that should be pretty similar. Very similar in tone, yeah. Trump and Obama... Uh, I mean, other than the voices, you know the voices are different, but really the words are very, very similar. Now, our president is right now, you're right, it's pathetic. (laughs) We come to mourn the dead. Their souls speak to us. They ask us to look inward, to take stock of who we are. Honestly, folks... We have leadership right now in this country, especially at the top, that is grossly incompetent. They don't know what the hell they're doing. We have a shared responsibility to look directly into the eye of history and ask what we must do differently to curb such suffering again. So I saw he's in Japan, in Hiroshima, and that's fine. Just as long as he doesn't apologize, it's absolutely fine. Who cares? The world was forever changed here. But today, 
the children of this city will go through their day in peace. What a precious thing that is. Quite a difference. Yeah, I mean, when I hear President Obama speak, that's like the first thing that I think is how incompetent right. he sounds. It also, you know, <laughs> flip it. And can you can you imagine? Oh, because I cannot imagine Trump saying with any seriousness, with any emotion, with any gravitas, those types of things about looking into the eyes of history. Well, Donald Trump can't apologize to anyone. So someone who is incapable of he, apologizing he, to anyone. He can't even apologize to the the God he claims to worship. Yeah. And ask for forgiveness. No. He can't even apologize to John McCain who oh, I like I like people who weren't captured. I got to tell you. Blah, blah. Right. So he I can't imagine him being empathetic. Um, showing sympathy for anyone. Right. I can't imagine him doing anything. I mean, he's not even tempered, just nothing. It's so, it's horrifying to think about. Ugh, it is. God damn, it's sad. It's a fucking sad time right now. All right, well, we talked last time about the possibility of a Trump-Sanders debate. Because there was a tweet that Bernie Sanders sent out that said, game on, I'm ready, let's do this. Well, we found out later, it, Brittany had announced that it was because he, uh, Donald Trump was on Jimmy Kimmel and announced that, yeah, absolutely, yeah. I would love to debate Bernie Sanders. Yes. Here is that. Who do you like more, Bernie Sanders or Hillary Clinton? Well, I actually think that Bernie would be easier to beat, even though he shows up a little bit better in the polls. And I may be wrong, but what I do like about Bernie is that when he loses, because the system is rigged against him totally, just like it was rigged against me. I mean, the system is rigged. Yeah, you won. And if I didn't win by massive landslides every state, I would. there was no chance that I could have won. And he's sort of having the same thing, except she's got a different, you know, kind of a deal. She's got superdelegates that we just hand it to her. I don't know how Do she you does. understand how that works? Because I don't. I, I, nobody understands it, but it's an unfair system. <laughs> and, uh, I mean, I understand. The bosses hand out delegates, and whoever gets the most, you know, superdelegates has a good advantage. But uh, it's unfair to him. I don't like what's happening, and I watch it. And we had it, too, the Republicans, in a more sophisticated way, because the superdelegates are so obvious. The Republican system is also, and I came up, I think I came up with the word rigged because I was going around three, four months ago screaming, this system's rigged. This is. Then I started winning by so much that it didn't matter whether or not it was rigged. It's like, a, <laughs> it's like, it's sort of like the price fighter. They go into the ring and if they knock the guy out, it doesn't matter if the judge is affixed, right? The yeah, right. If there's out. a brick in his glove, he's still Sanders, on the ground. I think it's very unfair what's happening to Bernie Sanders, actually. And uh, and it's a system that's not a good system. I asked Bernie Sanders because he's going to be here tomorrow to... To ask a question. Okay. Have you met Bernie? Have you guys ever met before? I've never really had the privilege. I see. Okay, so he, here's the question from Bernie. He asked, Hillary Clinton backed out of an Hillary Clinton backed out of an agreement to debate me in California before the June 7th primary. Right. Are you prepared to debate the major issues facing our largest state and the country before the California primary? Yes or no? He wants to know if you will debate Yes, him. I am. How much is he going to pay me? Uh, you, you, would, you would do it for a price? What would yeah, the price be? Yeah, because if I debated him, we would have such high ratings, and I think I should give, take that money and give it to some worthy charity, okay? So if it was done for charity, <laughs> you would agree to do if that. He paid, if he paid a nice sum I, toward a charity, I would love to do that. So there you have it. Willing. 
Yes, absolutely. Let's get this done. Let's do this. Well, apparently somebody got in his ear and he changed his tune on this like so many other issues. We've just gotten a statement from Donald Trump. This just into CNN right now. Uh, I'm going to read from it. The, the headline being he's saying that he will not participate in a debate with, with, uh, uh, the, with Bernie Sanders, saying based on the fact that the Democratic nominating process is totally rigged and crooked Hillary Clinton and Debbie Wasserman Schultz will not allow Bernie Sanders to win, it seems inappropriate that I would debate the second place finisher. Uh, Tana, if I could ask you as senior advisor to the Trump campaign, what's behind his thinking here? Mr. Trump always has a strategy behind everything that he does. And if he chooses not to debate Bernie Sanders, he's got a good reason. And we know that everything that he decides he's going to do has been completely uh, un unheard of. I mean, Mr. Trump's presidential campaign has been, for the record, historic, monumental, and nothing has been of the norm. So if he chooses not to do it, then that is his choice. And there's a reason behind it. And it's a good reason. You just don't Van know jo the reason, Van Tana. I, apparently, you just, you just don't know the reason, right? And, and that's because no, it doesn't make a whole now. lot of sense. Um, Donald Trump suggested this debate. Bernie Sanders completely agreed. I think it's brilliant. I just wrote about this for CNN.com. This would completely elevate Bernie Sanders. It would elevate Trump. It locks Hillary out of an important news cycle. I mean, there is no reason for either of these guys not to do it. So I'm very interested to hear why Donald Trump decided at the last minute to pull out of this great idea he had. That was S.E. Cup, by the way, which she made some great points that I really hadn't even considered that the effects it would have on Hillary Clinton and also elevating of of Bernie Sanders. Right. But the other lady who is the Trump supporter is out of her mind. She's treating Donald Trump like she's a Christian making excuses for God. Mm -hmm. Oh, well, that's God has a plan. You know, who are we to question everything he does is right. So that that's good. It's fucking weird and cultish the way she was speaking. It's really disturbing. And this is the level of polarization that we're seeing. Yes. And it's scary. Yeah. So debate off at this point. Doesn't sound like it's going to go down. It sounds like he's got some more professional advice givers around him than the Corey Lewandowski moron. Well, this seems to happen quite often where he will say something and then he is taken away from the microphone and then has to sing a different tune because That's right. these people say, hey, can you stop saying what you're saying? Well, not in this next particular case, though. Donald Trump made a very bold claim in one of his California speeches. The claim was that he was going to solve... California's drought and water problems. Oh, he's what we've needed. Maybe he is God. Donald Trump telling California voters that he is going to solve the state's five-year drought. We're going to solve your water problem. You have a water problem that is so insane. It is so ridiculous. Where they're taking the water and shoving it out to sea. Huh? And I just met with a lot of the farmers who are great people, and they're saying, we don't even understand it. They don't understand. Nobody understands it. And I've heard this from other friends of mine in California, where they have farms up here, and they don't get water. I said, oh, that's too bad. Is it a drought? No, we have plenty of water. I said, what's wrong? Well, we shove it out to sea. And I said, why? 
and nobody even knows why. And the environmentalists don't know why. Now they're trying to protect a certain kind of three-inch fish. Trump did not go into detail about how officials would open up the water, nor what science supports the claim that the drought is not real. But he did tout himself as a champion of the environment, saying, quote, I've received many, many environmental rewards, really, rewards and awards. Close quote. <laughs> I love how everyone is confused by him. It is. What is he even fucking talking about that we're shoving our water out to sea? I know. It's it's like conspiratorial, right? I, is it? Is it even that? I don't know. Is it just him just saying words? Yeah. I, I have no idea. God but, damn. But, but I love how even the journalist is confused by his quote, <laughs> trying to be as serious as she can. But we're all still kind of feeling, how seriously are we supposed to be taking this? I mean... Republican candidate for president of the United States. What What does this say about our two-party system? What does this say about half of the electorate? I mean, Nikki's shed is looking real nice. Looking at this point. real, <laughs> real nice. We're gonna have to go live in a shed. Don't bother cleaning it out, Nikki. <laughs> Brittany is very good at cleaning. She's a good sweeper and cleaner upper. She'll take care of some biz out there. You know, a shed is probably a perfect place for spiders, though. So that might be a problem. <laughs> but we'll figure to, it out. We'll figure it you'll out. You'll have to research the the indigenous spiders of the Netherlands before we uh, <laughs> before we jump ship. Yes. All right. Well, you may or may not have heard. It's been kind of big news on Facebook that there was a, a gorilla that had to be put down at the Cincinnati Zoo after a three-year-old fell in to his house, his pen, his enclosure. His jail cell? Today at about 4 o'clock, a young boy uh, crawled through a barrier at our outdoor gorilla center and through some bushes and over and fell into the moat. Um, thank goodness he was not badly hurt going in because he was walking in there and splashing around. But Harambe, our 17-year-old gorilla male, was a great big animal, 400 pounds. Went down and got him, carried him up into the moat, was moving him around, and it, it seemed very much by our professional team, our dangerous animal response team, to be a life-threatening situation. And so the choice was made uh, to put down or shoot Harambe, um, and so he's gone. Um, the little boy was taken to Children's Hospital, if we don't know his status, but um, hopefully he's going to be fine. It's a sad day all the way around. Uh, the right choice was made. It was a difficult choice. Uh, we have protocols and procedures. We do drills with our dangerous animal response team. But we've never had a situation like this in the Cincinnati Zoo where a dangerous animal needed to be dispatched in an emergency situation. Uh, but the team did a good job, and they made a tough choice, and they made the right choice. Uh, because uh, they saved that little boy's life. It could have been very bad. So the decision was not made lightly. Lowland gorillas are very endangered animals. There aren't very many in captivity. But it has, a, it has a, the proper ending. Well, there is a lot of outrage out there right now that they killed this gorilla and didn't tranquilize him. 
Um, I, I would, I would err on the side of the judgment of the zoo and the professionals in this case that they did the correct thing in the course of saving the child's life. Because if you go on YouTube and you watch the videos that were taken of what this goddamn gorilla was doing, it was a scary situation dragging this three-year-old boy around like four-year-old literally like a rag doll yeah it, it well and people are interpreting it very differently right depending on their view of what happened to the gorilla so there were there were periods where the gorilla put the child underneath him and he was like protecting him it seemed like but then there were times where he just grabbed him by the arm and just started running with him fucking running and dragging him along so I, I've seen comments saying, oh, look, he's like picking him up and pulling his pants up and cuddling him and protecting him. He doesn't know what's going yeah, on. The zoo people who were there, they saw, they know what kind of behavior he was exhibiting. Right. They're the fucking monkey experts, the gorilla experts. Right. And the, the kid was in there for apparently like 10 minutes. Yeah. And it didn't help that everyone crowded this space We're and started screaming, screaming yeah. and yelling. And of course, that's not helpful for, for the gorilla. raising the, the stress level and the alarm. And uh, the confusion that the gorilla is already experiencing right. with this little kid that he, you know, it, it's crazy Who's to watch also the video. Screaming. Yeah, it's crazy <laughs> to watch the video because this isn't the Jungle Book. And how often do you see right. a real human next to a gorilla like that? It is. It was fucking bizarre. It's very strange. But there is a problem. Listen, we had we had dinner and drinks two nights ago. I guess last night, two nights ago. We need the specifics. Here. Yeah. I, well, I'm just. It's midnight we now. So now it's Monday. It's the next day. So. Saturday night. Let's talk about it more. <laughs> <laughs> of people from Kentucky who lived near Cincinnati and have been to that zoo many times. Mm -hmm. And they said that, yeah, it's like they've got a flamingo exhibit where you just walk amongst the fucking flamingos. They don't. It's not a lot of separation. So there's two groups that are culpable here, as far as I'm concerned, in my expert legal opinion, Brittany Page. Gorilla enthusiast, That's right. Jesse D. <laughs> That's right. Uh, you got the zoo, which should, there should be at no place where a three or four-year-old can weasel his way in. Yes. And then also, these fucking parents, keep your eyes on your kid. Be more responsible. Yeah, and I've seen a lot of hate for the parents. And uh, don't get me wrong, they should be watching the kid. But there should be several measures in yeah, place yeah. to not allow anyone to get into the what, gorilla's what number did, house. What number did we land on when we discussed this? Like three. Three. There should be three fail-safes. Yes. But th that a, a four-year-old shouldn't be able to get in. I'm also... Because he. it seems like he fell just into the middle of of this place. He just fell into the moat, which was going through the middle of this place. Yeah. So where did he fly in from is what I'm wondering. <laughs> I couldn't figure it out. He's an Olympic long jumper. He just, woo, just <laughs> leapt right in. Yeah, I'm surprised. God damn. All right. Let's, let's wrap this up. What do you say? Let's do you it. Feeling real good after the gorilla talk? Real good. <laughs> <laughs> Taking care of biz. So three ladies, three ladies are taking care of biz. I like when stories start off with three ladies. <laughs> okay. <laughs> 
three ladies in Santa Monica were just trying to enjoy their happy hour on Thursday. Right here in Los Angeles. Yes. When they saw a man pull out a vial and drop something in his date's drink while she was in the bathroom. God damn. Yeah. Not a reality show either. No. No, this was real, unfortunately. So this is a story that was told from Sonia Ulrich on Facebook. She was one of the women. She says, so after feeling awkward hanging out by the sinks in the bathroom until she was done, the woman who was with this uh, person that was putting things in her drink, I approached saying, hey, um, this is kind of weird, but we saw the guy you were with put something in your drink. She said, oh, my God, seemed very shocked. And one of the other women that had, had seen this said, yeah, my girlfriend saw him put something in your drink and we had to say something woman to woman. You know, we just we had to say something. How well do you know this guy? And she said, he's one of my best friends. God damn. Yeah. And they were expecting her to say I don't know him. I met him on Tinder. I you know. swiped right. Now yeah. we're together. Yeah, this is, I just have hanging out with him for five minutes. But no, really close to him, one of her best friends. So she goes back to the table. The trio of women go back to their table. And these women tell the restaurant what they've seen. So the restaurant goes and they, they review video. And they see him put the drugs in the drink. Wow. And so the woman is continuing to sit with him and they they see him clinking her drink like you know cheers oh like in an attempt to get her to drink the drink exactly cheers and then what you just drink after a cheers exactly wow desperately trying to get her to take a drink what a fucking bastard and she's not doing it and that must have been difficult right because you're sitting there you know that the drug is in the drink right but you know that the cops are coming so you don't want to say anything or, or give was, it away. Was the woman privy to the cops coming already? I think so, because she sat through like 40 minutes of the date after this happened right, and right. wasn't drinking the drink. And so the cops come and arrested him. And apparently he had multiple vials of whatever this substance wow. was. And she said that she had driven to his apartment, parked her car at his apartment, and then they went to the restaurant and his car together. So he... He planned this. Yeah. I I mean, mean, clearly. Yeah. So really disturbing. But these women didn't just take this attitude of, you know what? It's not my business. I'm not going to get involved. No, it is your business. That's right. And you do get involved. The only thing necessary for the triumph of evil is for good men and women to do nothing. And they did something here. They saved this woman yes. from being raped or who who knows what else could have happened, you knows? know, dismembered or I mean, horrible stories. Right. And this was also one of her best friends. So what a tremendous betrayal. But they saved her. And I'm sure it was awkward to follow her into the bathroom and approach her and tell her this. You don't know how she's going to react. Yeah. Well, it's kudos all the way around. I even think about the restaurant. A lot of restaurants, especially in Santa Monica, these more fancy schmancy, they don't want a fucking cops showing up and putting a damper on everybody's good time. A lot of times a business is going to take the the money road of, well, yeah, let's not rock the boat. We'll just, yeah, we'll get him out of here. We'll, you know, whatever. They did the right fucking thing. Mm-hmm. What's the name of the restaurant? Fig in Santa Monica. Fig in Santa Monica. Mm-hmm. 
awesome. I mean, that's a place that we, we need to go up there and go to dinner. Well, and they even, they were delaying because they asked for the bill and they were saying, oh, the computer's down. We're trying, oh. to, we're trying to get it fixed right now. Wow. Yeah. So they even played along. Absolutely admirable behavior. Right. In order to make sure he, he was going to get arrested. Super great. Of course, the police did, you know, they did what they should do. Come in and arrest the guy. Uh, but the ladies, the restaurant, taking care of biz, and even God, the, the victim in this case, mm-hmm. taking care of biz, acting with a cool head, thinking her way through this, because it's that's a panic-inducing thing. It's amazing to me she was able to keep her cool under under the under fire, so to speak, right. and continue with the dinner and not clue him in that she was fucking privy break the drink on his head yeah to fucking not you know let the the cat out of the bag well in that show that you hate the what would you do show oh, i fucking hate that show. they <laughs> it's this show where the it's a hidden camera show John and they create situations and videotape how people react to these situations and they had a date rape one uh the early seasons were good i don't hate them all but the early seasons they were pretty good right where they set up a situation at the bar where a guy put a date rape drug in a girl's drink and they made sure people saw and then they tested how these people reacted and there were men yeah who, it's none of our business we, no it went further than that like almost congratulating oh, yeah, him. that's right they did that yeah, yeah like oh he's gonna get like, some thumbs up hey yeah <laughs> and they blurred Fucking out their faces bastards. obviously because yeah. that's well they didn't sign a release to horrifying their, yeah um and embarrassing and holy shit who are these people yeah um so it's great that there are people that are not like that <laughs> be more like that. I think that's the moral of the story. More like the people that... Yeah, not the date rape drug guy. Come on, <laughs> really? Be more like that guy. Be more like these people. Yes. If you see something, say something. If you have a neighbor who's hitting his wife, you fucking say something. You intervene. That is my favorite quote of all time, which is unattributed. No one knows who really said it. But the only thing necessary for the triumph of evil is for good people to do nothing. Do something. Stand up. Be a change maker. Be a good person. Okay, now that we've bossed you around. Anyway. <laughs> you have something to say to wrap this up? Um, I think that your speech was beautiful and All I right. am inspired. And You're going to go do something? I don't know what that means. Do something. Oh, yes. God, I... what, you're just fucking sitting here. Well, we have stories we could tell about no doing good stuff we've tried to tell the stories and every time i try it sounds real braggy and douchey yeah, we're not gonna do that it does but just know we have them <laughs> 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 all right everybody we love you Goddamn, we love the shit out of you guys we appreciate your listenership and the time that you spend with us each week it is it is difficult to put into words what we've built here over the course of 220 episodes with you Moving the conversation forward week after week after week. We appreciate every single one of you and every single second that you spend listening to my stupid voice and Brittany's beautiful, beautiful voice. No reaction. I thought I'm supposed to not talk at this point. Anyway. But thank you, sir. Until next time. For Brittany Page, I am Jesse Dollimore. And this has been I Doubt It. Where they're taking the water and shoving it out to sea.